Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to speak to you on the subject of no turning back. Few words, but they have great meaning. No turning back. Say it with me, no turning back. As simple as that sounds and, and as easy as it is said, uh, no turning back has great meaning in the life of a believer. It's because people that don't confess that and easily turn back, great things are lost. Great things are lost. I think that you and I can share a witness or two of how we have known people who at one point or the other uh, have been on fire for God, been excited about serving the Lord, but all of a sudden you won't see them again. For whatever reason, they may have gone through something at home or something emotional, something personal, whatever it is, but they've turned back away from their walk with God. And that's such a sad situation. I remember years ago, uh, it just flew out of my mouth, and I, I said, you know, for some reason, someone thought about putting names of individuals on the back of their belts. Have you seen those? It'll say Soto back here or Gonzalez or whatever your name is in the back. And I said, I wonder why white people did that. And, and as I was preaching to the church several years ago, I said, maybe it's because they've learned to see so many people walk away. That's the only way you can get names of people. Sometimes just by glancing back as they see their back walking away, you see their name. Oh, that was so-and-so. I think our names on our belt should be in the front because we should always be walking forward, never backward. Amen? But walking away, no turning back. You know, we are going through some terrible times uh, in our lives, in our nation, uh, as you well know. And I'll mention this until we get out of it. I pray we do get out of it soon. But I want to continue mentioning and, and speaking uh, just being conscious of what's going on around us because our nation needs prayer. Amen? You know, it, uh, we're having a day of prayer coming up. You'll hear the announcement, but we're going to have a, a it's going to be a national day of prayer and how important that is to pray for our country. You know, my heart has been broken, quite frankly, and I'm a little bit in shambles even today uh, in me speaking to you. So if I sound redundant, forgive me because I'm kind of being choked by my heart. What happened just a few days ago, we lost 13 servicemen, 13 sons and daughters, 13 Marines. And you know, maybe I don't want to offend any of us older guys, but you know, if they were 70, 60, 70 like me, 60, whatever, I mean, we've lived a fair life. And we're still here by the grace of God. But you know, these military boys and girls, I call them boys because they were 20 years old. I want you to think about that for a second. They were 23, 24 years old. They would say, well, we lost a 13 men. One of them was 90. The other one was 80. And you're going like, wow, that's a sad thing. Losing someone's life obviously is a sad thing. But, you know, after 60 years like me, I've been there and done that a little bit. But what have you done at 20? 
What have you done in 20 years? And then the brave things that we find out that they're doing is they join the military to defend our nation and to do a service to their fellow countrymen. They will never come home except in a box. I heard of one of them having just been married uh, just a little over a year ago. In the next few weeks, his wife is going to have a baby. He'll never see that baby. And that wife, that young girl, will never see her man again. And that little baby will never know its father. Wow. We are in a broken world today. Amen. And it's easy, and I believe this is why the Lord just lays this short conversation with you this morning in my heart because it's easy right now because of what we see happening to get into a so what for kind of attitude to get into a discouraging attitude and say man you know everything is going up in smoke what is going to be done to us what's going to happen to our nation we're they're talking about worse things going on because of political things and all these ugly things that are going on people are such there's such a rage and anger amongst each other right now and in the middle of it all people are dying and not only our servicemen but over close to 200 afghanistanian people were killed also in that bombing at the airport wow my heart goes out to them because they also had children they also had wives they also had brothers siblings parents uncles and friends that they'll never see again why because of the broken world we live in as Christians we are praying for those who are there right now the administration refuses to, to call them abandoned and hostages. But that's what they are right now. It's getting merely impossible for them to make it to the airport to get flown out. And so again, I don't want to get into that, but just to tell you, it's frustrating. We're hearing news and receiving texts and hearing testimonies of missionaries that are out there just yesterday. Of one saying, hey, listen, this is where I'm at right now in the middle of whatever it is, that place he was in. He said, I'm not going to make it out. I know it. They're going to kill me. This is live. This is real time. They're going to kill me. But I don't care because that's for a good thing. Another woman, another woman said that we're, we're going to be hurt, I know. We can't go out in the street without getting beat up and dragged around. But in spite of all of that, this work will not end. We're going to continue reaching out to the lost. We're going to continue preaching the gospel in the midst of all the chaos. What bravery. These are people who I'm sure every day say to themselves, no turning back. No turning back. Oh, but they're coming. No turning back. 
I remember reading a book a few years ago, and this particular picture just never escapes my mind, and that is the death of the Apostle Peter. And the story in this book is called, I believe it's called uh, the 12 Men of Christ. Or I don't remember the exact title, but as I began to read, it was a testimony of all the apostles. And we go to Peter, and of Peter it is said that when he was in the holy city, there was great torment and there was great murder in the city. And so Peter decided to leave the city. And so he packed his bags and began to leave the city. And on the way out of the city, he met a man. And he looked at him. He says, hello. And he says, hello. He says, where are you going, Peter? And Peter recognized the voice. Threw his shawl and he says, where are you going, Peter? He says, I'm leaving the city because things are heated up and there's great bloodshed. He said, I know you. Who are you? And tried to look under the shadow of his shawl and lifted up a little bit and he saw that it was Jesus. He says, Master, Master, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the city to die again. And the moral of that conversation was this. Jesus is always ready to sacrifice for his people. Even when people run. Even when people leave the city and are afraid. You see, if this people that are in Afghanistan right now, all of them flew away and, and none of them was willing to sacrifice, just know that the Lord would do something to continue saving people in Afghanistan. The Lord would raise someone to do the work. But they won't allow that to happen because in their heart they testify and say, no turning back. And so the story continues of Peter as he returns because of what Christ said. He said, I'm going back, Master. Almost embarrassed because he was caught walking away from his mission. And they took Peter, and as you know, the story tells that they crucified him upside down. But before they did, they took his wife, and they crucified her before his eyes. And as she was crucified on the cross, she looked at Peter, and she wept as if to say something, and he said... Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. And she died. Commitment to Christ. No turning back. This is what we're experiencing in Afghanistan by all these missionaries that are up there. Yes, some of them have made it out now, but there are still many hidden away because they can't allow themselves to be caught because they're continuing to minister in the mix of all that hatred and bloodshed. Can you imagine how easy it would be for them to denounce Christ and say, forget this? But no. They say to themselves that every one of us here should say always when it comes to the Lord, no turning back. No turning back.
In spite of all these things that we are seeing, we are told in Scripture that we should never become weary in doing that which is good. Galatians chapter 6 and 9. We should continue always living our life in Christ regardless of what we are going through. If we continue to press on, the Lord will indeed do what He's planned to do in and with our lives. You and I are called to press on on a daily basis and pursue Christ in spite of the pressure, in spite of the fallout, in spite of the bloodshed, even if we get to that point, in spite of the battle. Our attitude as believers, ladies and gentlemen, should always be no turning back. In the Bible, we have testimony after testimony of those who fought the good fight and never turned back. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I know because I have witnessed now the testimonies that are coming in that there are people still on the face of this earth that have that very same attitude, people who will never turn back. I want you to ask yourself right now just a little introspection. In such a moment as this that we're going through, if things get better, are you a no-turning-back Christian? Are you a no-turning-back individual? I know there are millions of people here, millions of Christians in this world that share, just like those in Afghanistan and share like those in Scripture times, no-turning-back is their model. No-turning-back is their declaration. What about us? What about us? I heard a testimony from someone up there as well who said how we desire to fellowship with each other. But they can't. They are separate. They're hiding out separately because if they find a group, that's the end of that group. And so they have sadly been separated in different areas of the city. They cannot see each other. They cannot worship together. They cannot read together. And I say to myself, wow, it's incredible that people there are hungering to get together and they're hiding away in holes and under homes and in basements and all these things, any kind of foxhole they find, and yet we have Cadillacs and don't come to church. We have Lamborghinis and we don't come to church. We have all these expensive drives vehicles and we don't come to church. No turning back. Romans 4 and 16. I'm going to move quickly after this now. Romans 4 and 16 reads as follows. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, without weakening in his faith, without turning back, on his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver. He did not turn back through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham in his time 
could have easily turned back because of the difficulties of what he saw ahead of him. And for him, it was a physical sense. And for us today, it may be physical as well. Let it be an ailment of some sort that has been bothering us and things that we just can't seem to get over that could come to discourage you. But the Bible says that against all hope, Abraham continued to believe. In spite of what his neighbors were saying, in spite of what those at work were saying, in spite of how unbelievable biologically and physiologically he saw the problem, he still chose to believe and stay on track. Just like Abraham, we have the Apostle Paul as well as a great testimony who also knows about no turning back, who also faced great trials and tribulation. My wife yesterday uh, preached uh, to the ladies and she began to speak about the more than conqueror subject. Encouraging the ladies to believe in spite of what you're going through, in spite of the things that we go through, the trouble that surrounds us, the things that, that ail our bodies or, or socially or emotionally or whatever it might could be, we are still called basically saying your pain will never change his promise. You are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Paul had that attitude of no turning back as we find him testifying in 2 Timothy 4.7. He says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on this day. And not only me, but also all who have longed his appearance. You know, Paul was a no-turning-back kind of guy. Can you say amen? He was a no-turning-back. He writes another letter. I'm moving as quick as I can, but I want to encourage you this day because I know a great discouragement sits in our hearts the more. Some of us are so glued to, to, to television and always hear is negativity, and you, you might not think that that radiates in your spirit, but it does. Get away from that a little bit. Get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of life and not the Word of death. The word of negativity. Get into the word of positivity. Things that are going to build you up. And, and, tell, and let God tell you that in spite of the battles around us, in spite of those who are dying, sadly dying, in spite of those who lead us, in spite of those who are telling us to do this or the other, in spite of all this mask business that's going on, all these things get words of life in your spirit. And that is the word of God. That is the word of God. 2 Timothy 1 and 8. Therefore do not be ashamed, his letter to Timothy. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his will, purpose, and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed as a preacher, as an apostle, as a teacher of the Gentiles. Then he, gave, he gives his, just the whole crux of his conversation to Timothy and tells him this because, you see, he was in prison at this time. 
And he says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I'm not turning back, Timothy. And I'm called and I'm writing to you to tell you that there is no turning back for you in your life. Regardless of whether you are in chains, regardless of whether you are put in prison because of your faith in Christ, if you are held hostage in a foreign land because of your faith in Christ, if there's a warrant over your head because of your faith <coughs> in Christ, it's a no turning back. It's a no turning back. Regardless of how dark your day may be, it's a never turning back. He goes on to tell him that he is willing to die for Christ, for dying for Christ is gain. What an attitude, ladies and gentlemen. And why is the Lord speaking to us this way today? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a more broken world than it was just yesterday. You know, things are changing around you. Some of us are beginning to complain that the economy is completely blowing up. Some of us are beginning to complain because we're beginning to see how now all our nation isn't really as stable as it was just a year and a half ago, a couple years ago. We begin to feel shaky about our work. We're feeling shaky about our finances, those of us who have businesses, those of us who are saving for ourselves. All these things are beginning to wobble. And so today, I, want to, I believe the Lord wants us to understand that in spite of what we see going on around us, it's never a good time to turn back. The Bible says that those who remain till the end will be saved. The Bible tells us that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who hold on to that faith and are saved. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. That means if you'll make it all the way, we're going to receive the blessing of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Three things I'll tell you right now, and I won't exp expound on them too much. Do you want a winning attitude? Then learn to confess and not complain. Amen? Learn to confess God's blessings, your real position in the Lord, and stop your complaining. You see, one thing I learned about Paul, and I said this several years ago, and I continue to say it about him. You see, Paul was not a whiner. He was a winner. He wasn't a complainer. He was a confessor. Some of us need to change that. Some of us need to stop punching holes in our boat with the words that we say. We get so enveloped in, in the negativity of life. You remember Samuel crying over Saul when he abandoned his walk with God and committed this particular mistake in the presence of the Lord that his crown was taken. Samuel was distraught. He was broken because he loved Saul. And one day the Lord found him on his knees praying outside of town, but he wasn't really praying. He was whining and complaining and crying. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Samuel, how long will you mourn? How long are you going to complain? 
Get up from there. It's been days. Stop complaining. What has happened around you is not going to change my plan to put a king over Judah. Get up and go to the house of Jesse, for I have a man there waiting for you. See, God's plan is going to continue, but we need to learn to stop complaining and start confessing. You remember those two who were leaving the city of Emmaus after the crucifixion, and they were just complaining. Oh, we thought he was this. Oh, we thought he was that. Oh, I heard that Christ was the real thing, but no, look at him. We saw him die, and all of a sudden they met with Christ and didn't even, even recognize him. Until the Lord, just like Peter in that story I just told you that I read, he spoke to them. He said, hey, guys, what's going on? What's all this moaning about? He goes, well, I mean, are you new in the city? Haven't you heard the news? They killed Superman back there. They, they killed this guy that we thought was the real thing. And he unveiled his face and they looked at him. They said, oh, Jesus. Caught him in their complaining. And the Lord in his patience, as he is patient with us today, began to teach them and speak to them again to encourage them. And I believe that this is what the Lord wants us all to receive from him, and that is encouragement. Don't walk out of the holy city like Peter did that day. Don't walk out of the holy city like those two leaving Emmaus. Don't go out and find somewhere and just weep in mourning and in bitterness and expect God to go find you under that Oprah tree just like he did Gideon. God wants you to embrace continuity. God wants you to embrace commitment and say, Jesus, in spite of what I'm going through, there is for me no turning back. But we need to learn to stop complaining and start confessing. The second principle I'll give you today is to understand that trust is a must. Some of us should Write that down in our Bibles, in our books, and whatever that will remind you on a daily basis. Put it on the dashboard of your car when you get in your car. Put it on your headboard, wherever it is. In the morning when you're shaving, put it there. Trust is a must. Every morning we should remind ourselves that trusting in God is a must for those of us who will move ahead. Paul said in that very same verse we read out of 2 Timothy, I am convinced that he is able do we wake up in the morning and say, you know, I don't know what today holds, but I do know who holds today. And I don't know what kind of troubles I'm going to face, but I'll tell you what, in spite of the troubles I face, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to believe him. You may walk out of the house, as many of us have, only to hear bad news. I heard again a testimony of one of the, wives, the mothers of one of the soldiers that that gave her their life up in Kabul. And she was screaming, and she was crying. She was angry. And alongside her testimony and her just weeping and complaining and just angry at what was happening, another father comes out as well. But both of them shared one thing, that they weren't expecting. They were not expecting that door knock at their house. One of the fathers said, I was at home and 
Luckily, I was alone when I heard that knock, and I opened the door, and I saw three Marines standing there. And he looked at them, and he knew what that meant. He said his legs began to shake, and his lip began to quiver, and he, what do you want? And they were the bearers of that ugly news that said, your son named him by name, by his position in the Marines, has been killed in action. Sometimes you open the door, ladies and gentlemen, of your home to leave the day for a regular work day, and all of a sudden, you're hit with something negative. Have you ever experienced that? I know that I have. I know that I have. To just walk into my office and say, like, hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, and I see a note that they left me. Something has happened to someone or something that affects my heart. At that moment, it's easy for us to lose trust and slip away. But you see, Paul said, trust is a must. I am convinced of whom it is I have believed. Abraham believed when he surrendered his son on Mount Moriah that even after death, God was able to bring back his son Isaac. Ladies and gentlemen, we need that kind of trust in the Lord. Amen? In order for us to continue during these times of duress, just remember, trust is a must. Say it with me. Trust is a must. Turn around and tell your neighbor, trust is a must. Amen. We can easily forget that. We become listening and sounding boards for people who do nothing more than complain. Trust me, I know the business. I've complained myself. But sometimes you need somebody to stand there and say, okay, are you done? Yeah, but listen, let me tell you something. Trust is a must. If you're going to get out of this thing, if you're going to move forward and succeed in this thing, then trust is a must. And finally this morning, learn to be sold out and not be a sellout. Write that down somewhere as well. I must be sold out and not a sellout. That means I must truly be committed on my mission with God. I'll never sell myself out to walk away from God. Second Timothy 1 and 12, I'll read this last passage for you. Paul said, this is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Paul was speaking about future tense. I am willing to walk the walk until I see God fulfill what he promised me on that day. He didn't say, when he gives them it to me today, or I'm going to see it happen right now. He said, be it as it may, whatever comes, the day will come, and I will still be standing in the Lord to see him fulfill, to see him that what I have entrusted in him as I have poured out my life in service to him. I will have no regrets because God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. God is going to provide for me what he promised for me on that day. 
You see, for those of us who are praying over certain illnesses or someone who is sick, continue to trust. Be sold out to your faith and believe that God, on that day, it may not come when you're waiting for You may not put a day, an actual day of the month of it as when it will come. But trust me and trust God more than that. The day will come. You can entrust him for that day. That day will come. You know, people were praying for me when I was sick of my liver. And I use it past tense because I have a new liver in Jesus' name. But I'll tell you, there were people praying for me. There were people praying for me that that day would come that I would walk out of that hospital. Even when I got there, that life was just barely hanging on. I was barely breathing. And my opportunity or chances or uh, the estimation of me getting through this thing, even through the doctor said it's going to be a slim thing. It's not going to happen. We need to notify people that things are bad for you. But people were praying because trust is a must. And they knew that the day, even more than I did, I believed more than I was gone. I said goodbye to my family. I made a video for them to tell them that I loved them all and to continue in their journey with Christ that I would see. And even for you, I spoke through you through, through video that I would see you in glory. I was convinced myself that my time had come. And that was okay. I'm not afraid. But there was someone who was trusting. And unbelievable to me as it may be, I remember even as I closed my eyes when I walked out of that hospital and I breathed the air. I never knew that was going to happen after a couple of months of being there alone because of COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what kind of struggles you are personally going through. I do know what we're going through nationally and in our government and around the world. We're all sharing that. We all share that common thread of this United States going through trouble right now. We need to pray for our country. But I don't know what you're going through on a personal basis. But these principles that I give you today can still set you free to a point where you can say to no turning back. Learn to confess and not complain. Learn to speak God's word over your life and over those things that you're struggling with. Learn that trust is a must. If you don't trust him, you can't expect anything from him. If you don't trust him, that's breaking the heart of Christ because he wants you to trust him. God is able, ladies and gentlemen. So whatever it is that you're going through right now, those of you on social media who are watching us, whatever it is that you're going through right now, trust is a must. That's the only way we're going to make it through. And in the end, know that your walk is faithful because you are sold out. You'll never be a sellout. You'll never need your name on the back of your shirt just so people can finally know who you were as you walk away. Learn to walk to Christ, even through struggles. Learn to run to God, never from God. Would you stand to your feet this morning?
The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 35, the apostle says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Please listen to this. This is reality. This is truth for you. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Jesus is coming, ladies and gentlemen. That day is coming. And even if we see him with our eyes as he splits the eastern sky, we know that that day he will fulfill what he said to us. But don't shrink back, the apostle says. Don't ever turn away. Let us be sold out and not sent. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org. 